What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Steel Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of SteelCurtain.com. And joining me, as always, is Shane Kubis, contributor for Steel Curtain. Shane and I talked yesterday a little bit uh, about the Steelers win against the Titans. We're going to rehash that uh, in just a second here. The, the big topic for today that we're going to do is that what's going on with the Steelers' offensive line. I want to get your thoughts, Shane. I'm going to share mine, uh, and we're going to see if anybody else agrees with us about what the Steelers are doing here. We're also going to preview the Steelers versus Packers game coming up here in week 10 and talk about some of the biggest matchups and give our predictions for that. So Shane, let's dive right into it uh, with the Steelers win over the Titans in week nine. Big game. It was a must have really. I mean, you look at the AFC North right now, Shane, every team is five and three or better. Uh, it's the best division in football for my money. I think that if you look at like the Ravens in terms of DVOA, they're in a tier of their own above everybody else, that, including teams uh, like the Eagles and the 49ers. So this is a tough, tough division and the Steelers needed to come away with that win. They did that. It might not have been in the manner that we would have liked to have seen it get accomplished, uh, but the Steelers, they, they got the win, uh, albeit a close one. Uh, Shane, go ahead and, and give us some uh, maybe winners and losers from that one. Yeah, I mean, this was a win they need to get against the team starting a quarterback only in a second start. As good as the first start looked, still a rookie quarterback. You don't want to lose that game. And, and admittedly, they take care of business, even if it took how they normally do it, which is a comeback in the fourth quarter. Uh, as far as winners go, um, I got to start with the running backs. Jalen Warren, Najee Harris combo, go yep. over 150 total yards and a touchdown from Najee. This is the run game that we've been wanting to see, right? Where Najee is the bell cow, like grind it out, occasional mm -hmm. big play guy. And then Warren can come in fresh, be the change of pace back and get the chunk plays in the, in the running game. This is the ideal Steelers offense in terms of leaning on the run, letting Kenny Pickett have some pressure taken off of him. And you saw in the fourth quarter, as usual anyway, regardless, but especially when you factor in the run game helping out, that's when this offense can take off a little bit, right? This is when they can be a, yeah. an offense. So got to shout out those uh, those guys. Deontay Johnson, of course, leads the team receiving for the second time and since he's come back from injury. 
he's playing at a level that gives them competency in the passing game when they target him, right? The other guys still need to come around a little bit more. We'll talk about George Pickens a little bit more later and his struggles in this game. But overall, like those three, I think, especially on offense, at least, really kind of carried the load there. Yeah, I agree with all those. And so you said right there, Jalen Warren, maybe maybe the best game of his career so far. And, and props to the offensive the line because ones, yeah. the, the, the offensive line was just firing on all cylinders. I mean, yeah. the double team blocks. I thought the, the right side was amazing. The combination of James Daniels uh, and Broderick Jones. And we're going to talk about uh, the offensive line and what the Steelers should do as opposed to maybe what they are doing right now. Um, what about the losers from this game? Is there anybody that you want to uh, kind of harp on a little bit? I mean. George had a bad game. Pickens had a rough game by his standards. Mm. I know I mentioned it earlier. He had the touchdown that should have been a touchdown, but couldn't get both feet down, which for him is just weird. He's one of those guys where you just kind of expect him to make even the most the more difficult plays kind of routine. It's just kind of what you expect of him with his talent level. Doesn't do anything there. And honestly, the rest of the passing game, I mean, no one else besides Deontay really accomplished anything. And part of that is, you know, Kenny missed a couple throws and he himself wasn't great, but of course he does his fourth quarter magic thing. He always does. So honestly, the rest of the offense, you know, the, the pass game, I will say the pass blocking was better too. I don't really want to single anybody out there. We'll talk about the offensive line more anyway. Uh, but defensively, the, the secondary was still leaky at times. Like they gave up some weird chunk plays on third down. That's the thing that really bothered me. And that's that's really across the secondary. Other than Joey Porter Jr., he had a really locked down game for the most part. So there's still there's stuff definitely still issues with this team, and we'll talk more about them later. Mm -hmm. But overall, I have to say I was pretty impressed with the performance. So yeah, I mean it was it, it was overall, I, I guess. Good enough to win the game. That's yeah. I, basically the best way I can describe it, Shane. I, yeah. I want to see the Steelers win comfortably. We talked about that on yesterday's show. Uh, Pickens did not have a great game, although I, I mean, the, the toe drag one that's something he makes nine times yes, out of that, ten, if not exactly. more often than that. Right. But the rest of the targets to him, you really go and break down those those pass quality, like missed on the crosser, just yeah. wide open. And Pickens would have had a big play after the catch. Where I knock Pickens, where I give him in the loser category is because of kind of the attitude and mannerisms right. that we saw from him during the game. Mm -hmm. And I know that everybody's just brushing it off, whatever. Uh, I, I don't want it to get to the point where it is a problem. And if you right. want to hear Shane and I talk more about that, uh, go jump on yesterday's show yep. here on our Still Curtain on channel. Uh, let's move on from that, Shane, and talk about Cole Holcomb for a second here. Out for the season now. We knew this was coming. Uh, pretty gruesome knee injury there. Knee got kind of buckled inside out and ju just not the stuff that you want to see at all. I thought that Holcomb was having a very solid season overall. Uh, maybe the best uh, player on track to have the best linebacker play they've had maybe since Ryan Shazier's uh, injury. And so you hate to see an injury like this occur. I think that, that Quan uh, Alexander and uh, Elena Roberts are both very capable players, but now having to account for so many more snaps, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. Does Mark Robinson get a piece of the pie? Do they go and look for help elsewhere? Uh, do they they play Herbig some snaps in the middle? Do you get three edge guys on the field at the same time, like some of these creative defensive coordinators are doing? I don't know if the Steelers are going to go that far, uh, but I'll be interested to see what they do there. Yeah, it's really unfortunate for Cole. And I, I did want to mention real quick, too, uh, just because we didn't mention him. Alex Highsmith had one of the better games of his career in this yeah, game. Yeah, he did. I just want to make sure we mention him. But with, with Holcomb being out, it looks like Quan, and I think you said it earlier today, that he will be wearing the green dot. He will be the the primary linebacker for this team, which we kind of ex expected, mm -hmm. right, with Roberts being yeah. more of that rundown specialist. But 
I think that things aren't as dire as, as maybe like we initially thought we talked about yesterday, just because I do think Alexander getting that green dot being the primary linebacker gives me hope that they can continue that level of play for the most part. I don't think he's as consistent as Holcomb. I think he's more of a splash player in a lot of regards, but mm. that's what we were missing last year, right? We didn't have those splash plays. You know, just in the last game, he makes the interception to end the game, Alexander. So we, we should still see a better level of play than we were getting the past couple of years. And really, like even like saying since Shazier, I would say like the first couple games of 2020 for Devin Bush before his injury, that's the level of play that I think we really try to want to try to emulate where he wasn't a superstar, but he wasn't making mistakes. He was aggressive, all that stuff. I'm hoping we get that out of Quan moving forward. So. Yeah, and the aggressiveness is what we wanted to see. It's what we haven't seen no. in a couple of years now from the position. They it, it Last year, Devin Bush, Miles Jack, Robert Spillane, even, they kind of just let the play develop and come to them. And I feel like the Steelers linebackers this year are at least going downhill. They're attacking. Uh, I want to see, uh, even without Holcomb now, I want to see the rest of the guys do those things. And I think that they'll be able to do that. Will they be able to make up uh, for the rest of it? That's the part that'll be interesting to me. Let's get a few other uh, topics in here before we get to our big discussion uh, for today on the Steelers offensive line. Josh Dobbs shines with the Vikings. I want to give a little shout out uh, to the former Steeler here. Really nice guy. I've talked to him uh, in person a couple of times. We chat every once in a while. Uh, ju just happy for this guy in the success that he's finding. And this situation is so bizarre. And if you're not aware of what happened, I mean, Dobbs was traded from Arizona to Minnesota and had like four days to prep. Didn't get any, uh, didn't get any reps with the the first team offense at all. Kind of just came in. He didn't even know the names of some of his own players, and they they were doing like the cadence over on the sideline, like like Dobbs was practicing his cadence because they've literally never done that with him uh, before. And so, if you get a chance to to look up uh, any of that, it, it's it's a really is a, a cool story. And Dobbs had this rough start to the game. I went back and watched that uh, after the fact. He had a pretty rough start to the game. Really turned it around. Uh, so just happy ha happy for that guy. I know he's not part of the Steelers anymore. And we're not going to get into the the Kenny Pickett versus versus <laughs> Josh Dobbs thing. I mean, it, it, the Steelers have issues of their own at quarterback. We all know that. Uh, but but just happy that Dobbs is finding success still in the league. Yeah. Um it's almost it's kind of ridiculous what happened on Sunday. It's it's almost unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Like obviously we had the Baker Mayfield thing for the Rams last year where he showed up after like two days and and went and had to play. But like that was a little bit different because one Baker didn't score very many points in that game. He didn't have to because the Rams defense held the Raiders down. He also made some some plays. It was basically just him going out there and backyarding it, right? Dobbs yeah. was making full field reads in this game. Mm-hmm. After being there for four, like, I think Dobbs to me at this point, he is the antithesis of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is the opposite of him as a backup where he's basically a professional quarterback for hire. If you need someone to mm -hmm. run your offense tomorrow, you call Josh Dobbs. Like that, that's who this guy is. And I think that's awesome. And it makes sense with the, with the, you know, the rocket sciences background, like all that <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, he's a smart guy, obviously. But to watch him go through his reads with players he's never played with, with guys he doesn't even know the name of, it, it was hilarious how many throws he made that were perfect reads and perfect throws. And I really hope that he can continue to start. As much as Jaron Hall looked very good for them as well before he got hurt, mm -hmm. I would love to see Dobbs take this team to the playoffs or something. That would be so funny in the NFC. Because like, you never know, right? With the NFC, you never – like Brian Flores' defense is going crazy every other week. They're rushing six guys, like they're creating pressure. Like – they could do something in the NFC if he plays at that level. So we'll, we'll have to see if it keeps up.
Yeah, just a great guy to root for. And the pastronaut, like you can't yes, have a better so, nickname than so that cool. for, for, really for the Astro. <laughs> yes. So love it. Uh, Martavis Bryant signed to the Cowboys practice squad. Yeah. Didn't know if this guy would ever make his way back into the league. Uh, yeah. Kind of unfortunate how things ended for him. Man, at one point he was so good and yes. so efficient. Maybe yes. the best deep threat in the league at six foot four. And so uh, I don't know if he'll do anything at age 31 and not even to their active roster. Uh, but he's I'm back in the NFL for now, at least. I think it's interesting because he is the type of player that they are missing right now where they don't like his Brandon cooks mm -hmm. is not the true deep threat. He once was anymore. I think he'd still be valuable for them. They haven't really used him as much as I would think they should, but Michael Gallup, if you, if you haven't been watching any Cowboys stuff, <laughs> he is unplayable right now. This guy can't play. I do not understand what's going on with him. Like, cause he was a very good, like, he had the ACL tear, but man, he's just right. Like it's just, he can't catch the ball. I feel like everything about his play is weird right now. So good for Martavis. We'll see if he can come back. You know, he kind of is doing the Josh Gordon thing for in a lot of ways, if you want to put it that way, um, coming back after several years out of the league. So we'll see if he has something left. I mean, if he has that speed at all, still, he could be valuable for this team. So that's what I'm curious about Shane, like yeah. 31 years old. Now you've been out of, I mean, not out of football, but out of the NFL for a while, the standards a little bit different there. What, what does he run right now? Like, I'd be interested to see, does he it's have that curious. year where he could just gazelle stride past people like yeah. he used to? Does he have anything, anything like that? Then you've got a, a guy that can contribute potentially. So yeah. I'm interested to see if, if he'll get that promotion up to the active roster and if he'll end up doing anything over there. And honestly, Shane, part of me, part of me said, man, I kind of would have liked that. Yeah, for right. Right. Yeah. So uh, they, they could use all the help they can get at this point. Uh, let's talk about one more thing here before we get into the Steelers offensive line. George Pickens' frustration. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tomlin addressed this with the media, and Tomlin seems super irritated that, that how dare the media <laughs> ask him questions about uh, Pickens' attitude here. He's and it, I know it, there's a, just a range of opinions on this, Shane. I kind of shared my thoughts on it already uh, in, in detail in yesterday's show, so you can go check it out. Uh, I, I think that he's got to grow up a little bit. I think the maturity has to be a little bit better. If we can see that how vividly frustrated he is just watching from our couch at home, then so can everybody else. And I'm sure his teammates can as yeah. well. He just needs to carry himself a little bit better. I think and, and grow up a little bit in that regard. Again, not everything was his fault. Did not get good target quality at all in this game. Some missed opportunities. And yes, the, the missed opportunity on the touchdown. Sure. You can argue that the pass was a little too far out there. You, you really watch that though. That's on Pickens. You got to drag the second toe. I mean, that's NFL receiver type play right there. So uh, just overall, I think, I hope that hope that this is the biggest episode. I, I would say I'd phrase it that way, Shane, that we see from Pickens for the rest of the year. Yeah. For me, I think that ultimately this is probably going to be a nothing burger at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And you hope that that's what happens. And I hope that he does just kind of get out of his own head a little bit. Cause I think the problem for receivers, especially, especially in offenses that are as bad as the one that we're playing in it, you have to just worry about doing what you can do, right? You have to worry about running your routes. Well, getting open. If the ball doesn't come to you, it might just not mm -hmm. come to you. And especially in an offense like this, where there's not as many targets going around because we don't throw the ball all the time. We don't throw the ball down the field a lot to, to, to a guy like, him that would make good on those plays like he has to just recognize like yeah it's not that they don't think i'm good it's that this offense just isn't really built mm -hmm. to you know have my strength shine right now it's more about deontay yeah. and the quick separation and all that stuff so hopefully that changes because i do think he should be the number one receiver at this point like talent wise and the way that you can use him is really just mm -hmm. more explosive and more valuable 
but he has to just learn to, to take his lumps for now and he'll figure it out. So, yeah. And the offense is just not there yet. I mean, we're no. talking about 188 passing yards a game. And if, if half of those are more going to Deontay, that doesn't yeah. leave you a big piece of the pie left over. Yeah. And we're not even talking about Fryermuth being in the mix because the Steelers have not played a full game this year with George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Fryermuth. Yeah, we have no together. idea what that looks they, like. Johnson got injured in week one. Fryermuth mm-hmm. got injured several weeks back. Uh, before the bye week, and, and that was against the Texans back in week four. And so we have yet to see these guys all together. I hope that they can find a way to make it work and, and to please everybody. Uh, we want to see the passing game improve, obviously, and hopefully there's there'll be added opportunities for, for everybody there in the future. All right. Uh, if you guys are joining us here, please drop your questions for us in the live chat. We would love to be able to get to those. Yeah, uh, we Shane, have a few right now. About... If you want to right, jump ahead. and do cool. that real quick. Um, just cause we have some, so we have uh, returning uh, chatter here. Um, I have an old friend who works for the Buccaneers legal department who said he has heard from multiple people, Chief Spence for criticizing Kenny Pickett's play and lack of leadership. That would be insane if that's what he did. Uh, cause I think there's a lot of issues with this team besides that. Um, and that apparently that he is tired of the finger being pointed everywhere, but where it needs to be pointed and the Chooks has supporters in his opinion. We have no idea, right? Like we have no idea what Chooks said. He has not said what he said. Obviously the Steelers have not said what he said. He's not going to say what he said. Right. And I think that whatever it was, was clearly enough where like Tomlin didn't think he could be out there with the guys. And that does scare me a little bit because if he did say something that other people also agree with, that could mean a locker room issue. But with this team, I have a hard time thinking there's any major locker room issues, right? Yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't think so either. But Chooks did admit that he was wrong. He did not want to expand on exactly. It. It, exactly. And I mean, I've heard the same rumors floating out there as well. Mm-hmm. I, if that ends up being the case, then again, Shane, it's what we talked about yesterday. You're you're making the right choice getting Broderick into the lineup, but for the wrong reasons. Like he exactly. should be on, in the lineup because he's a better player than Moore exactly. or, or, or not not because uh disciplinary action for chooks so a guy that i wouldn't in i wouldn't have thought before i mean i thought that chooks was a pretty stand-up guy and i think that he is but uh it's interesting that this would be the reason why and again i don't want to speculate too much here until uh we've got something concrete here that that, yeah. that is for sure what it is uh so let's talk about this anything else that you want to get to Shane? Uh, we are going to talk about something that they chatted about as well so we'll get into it and then i'll bring it up because it's about the offensive line situation here so all right, let's do it. Uh, Steelers making some bizarre choices on the offensive line, at least in my opinion. I want to yeah. get your thoughts on this, Shane. But we, we I want to backtrack for a little bit here because I wrote at the beginning of the season, I, I said, and I believe I said on, on our podcast right before the season too, I think if the choice were up to me, my I, you have a talented, an uber-talented, former five-star recruit, first-round pick, 14th overall. You're, you don't have much to work with at the offensive tackle position. My thought process from the very beginning, Shane, was I think the Steelers should insert Broderick into the lineup. You take your lumps with him so that by midseason or so, you can have a guy that's got experience under his belt. He'll be somewhat established at that point, and then you can get on that that track that you need to be on. The Steelers did not do that. And the other, my prediction of what they would do, Shane, is I said it would be very similar to Trubisky and Kenny Pickett's situation last year where three or four weeks in, they make the switch. Broderick becomes the full-time left tackle because we knew that Moore was going to be an issue, and he has been. That's not at all what happened. Now, Broderick did get one start at left tackle. It was in week five against the Ravens. I thought he played 
really well. Uh, yeah. do, had a lot of reps against Jadavion Clowney, who was able to build up ahead of steam in that wide nine and just did an awesome job anchoring there. But the reason that he was in the lineup, Shane, wasn't because he got a promotion. It was literally because Dan Moore was injured. Yeah. And then we saw it. And then we saw another game. Was it was it Moore was injured or Chooks was injured and Moore's flipped? It was Moore was injured, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, uh, I, I played a little bit. Yeah, I'm confusing myself right now. But he was in the lineup because of injury. Fast forward that we, we thought coming out of the bye, all right, there's no way the Steelers are going back the other way. And we said, how dare they if they do? Well, guess what? Moore was back to being healthy, inserted back into the lineup. So you're back to your to Dan Moore and Chooks core for as your two offensive tackles. Jones goes back to the bench. Now he comes into the lineup. Surprisingly, this past week, we learned just hours before the game that he would be starting at right tackle. Uh, and, and supposedly it's because of disciplinary measures. Again, it's not because Broderick is the better option or the more talented football player. It's because of disciplinary action. And so I think the collection of things that Mike Tomlin and Pat Meyer have done with the offensive line so far have been bizarre to say the least. Like you have a guy who, I mean, hypothetically should be by far, you're the most talented player on this unit. He's the only one of these guys uh, that was the former first-round pick. He is the guy that you just drafted 14th overall and you traded up for in the first round. And he's only gotten two starts entering week 10 because of other occurrences that happened to the offensive tackles, not because he earned them. But when we watch him play, Shane, and I go back and watch these games again, Broderick has earned it. In my mind, he has earned the job. Now we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe he's not getting something in the film room, or maybe he's not trying very hard. Not going to speculate there again when we don't know the exact situation. But if we're just judging it off the film, Broderick is tiers above these guys in terms of talent. Like I know they're all have a similar size and frame, but when it comes to like anchoring strength and, and yeah. essentially everything that he does, he's just better at yeah. and that you can't find a way to get him on the field sooner. And that you're just now making this switch and, 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 like this is the first time that like Tomlin is saying like early in the week that Broderick is going to do that. Or at least he hinted that he didn't even say completely, but he hinted that Broderick is going to get that role. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, Brooke Pryor of ESPN pointed out that Broderick is now listed as a, the starting right tackle in Steelers depth chart. And so it's like, all right, you're in the lineup. We knew that needed to happen. You're at right tackle. Is that the lesser of two evils? Is 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 keeping Dan Moore at left tackle? A good option. He's the 72nd graded offensive tackle out of 77 qualifying players. If you care about that at all, the film backs up that he's been having a very rough season. Yeah. And again, I don't think that either one of the long-term answer, what is the best option, Shane? What is the best five-man lineup that you can go with and who should be starting at both tackle positions? See, this is where it's difficult because, and that's why I wanted to wait till we get here to talk about this chat that was thrown out there. Mm -hmm. And I did, and I did see this as well. Also, Moore apparently was so god awful at right tackle they had no choice but to move Jones. All plans are Jones are Jones uh, to return to left tackle at some point. That makes sense to me, and that's kind of what the the mm -hmm. feeling has been is that Moore isn't ready to play right tackle right now. That he can't play anything but left tackle at a playable level. And if that's the case, then this makes some sense. And obviously, Chuk's being sent out because of why he was sent out. And this is being this being why it's happening is frustrating because, like you said, we all see that Jones is the best player on this offensive line, at least the tackle right now, right? Like it's very painfully obvious. And that is not saying that he's like an all-world tackle right now. It's more about the play of the other two guys, right? Like that—that's yeah. where we're at right now. 
And the fact that it did take some shenanigans essentially to get him on the field again after what he showed in his one start left tackle. It, I just wonder, like, there, it can't be simply a performance thing because I know these guys know as well as we do that they're not playing well, right? So it, I don't know if, like you said, it is a situation where maybe they just don't think he is ready to take all these snaps or there's something he's missing in practice or whatever. But whatever he's missing is not affecting him on the field so far. Like he's not been a guy that's been, you know, getting a ton of penalties or been a liability mm-hmm. in any real way at all. So at this point, I think they have to trust the film and trust their eyes and say, okay, this guy needs to play. And if it has to be a right tackle to get him on the field because you don't like the other ways you can do it, that's fine. I still think he needs to be the left tackle of this team in the future, whether that's next year or whatever, that's fine. As long as you have him in your lineup, you're probably having one of the top five lineups you could have, right? I would even consider if Chooks is at a point where you're okay with him being back in lineup, put he's played left tackle plenty. Let him go out there and play left tackle instead of more. More goes to the bench. That's probably your best five man lineup right now. Maybe the interior, like obviously uh, Mason Cole's had his ups and downs, mostly downs this year. But if he's going to stay at center, having those two as the left and right tackle might be the best move. Then it just depends. Like mm-hmm. if, the, and then you can maybe move again Jones back to left tackle if you want Chukes to stay right. Whatever it is, those two I think are still the best tackles you could play. Yeah, my fear, Shane, is that the Steelers are going to ultimately end up failing Broderick Jones. Now, That's I hope the I, talent wins yeah. out anyway. But you're talking about a guy, like from high school to this point, has primarily been a left tackle. That's where most of his starts came, and he didn't have yeah. that many to begin with at mm-hmm. Georgia because he was sitting behind Andrew Andrew Thomas and then Jamari Salyer, uh, who were both draft picks, and, and Thomas was one of, the, one of the highest draft picks that year. Yeah. Now you come in and you don't have a ton of experience at right tackle, even throughout training camp, like getting most of the reps on the left side. Are, are you, is it worth risking to fail your potential long-term blindside tackle to move him in a role that he might not be as comfortable with just because yeah. Dan Moore's not as comfortable there. If that is indeed yeah. the reason, yeah. or is it, is it strictly because disciplinary action by from Chooks? But at the same time, like you said, if Dan Moore now at this stage in his career can't kick over to the right side, and he's not good at the left side. I mean, he is he going to be a swing tackle? I mean, right, that, that's, that's what you have to ask. Yeah. And so, Shane, I think you you and I both agree at this point that the Steelers have one starting tackle on their offensive line mm-hmm. it, it, on the roster. I mean, that that other guy that's going to be the long term option next to Broderick is not there yet. No. And so, theoretically, if Broderick were to start the rest of the season at right tackle, and he plays pretty well there then that's that's an awesome sign and, and what you still need is another guy to pair with him so whether that's our true right tackle and you move and you move broderick back to the left side or you get the left tackle however that works out i just they're not ready yet they're not there yet and i think that both dan moore and and chooks have been given honestly more time than they should have starting yeah. at their respective positions uh it's time to move on from that and I, i'm i mean kudos to the Steelers for finally addressing the offensive tackle position for in the first round for the in the first for the first time excuse me since 1996 when they took jermaine stevens yeah. so uh they need to do it again and it's it's a position shane where i'm feeling like right now at least i would not mind them throwing another first round pick at it next year in a pretty good yeah. tackle class it's it's tough too because what you said about Broderick and like failing him. I think the good thing is is that he was more than capable at right tackle in his first start there. Like that tells you that yeah. it's not so much like I don't think they are going to ruin him by playing him at right tackle because he already looks pretty comfortable there. So I do think ultimately it's best for him to be a left tackle because it's the more valuable position. Mm-hmm. Even though nowadays more and more it's kind of like 
you just whatever tackle you are, you have to deal with the same yeah. pass rushers. But unless you're playing the Steelers, but that's another thing. <laughs> but but I, I do agree that like if you are going to play him at right tackle, you have to decide going into next season, is he going to be your left tackle of the future or is he going to be your right tackle of the future? Because you might have to draft a guy and you probably should draft a guy early next year and they might not be able to play whatever tackle spot, right? So you have to know, mm-hmm. okay, what position is Roger Jones actually going to be playing for us? And then then you can determine what the right type of tackle you want to draft next year is. So that's the thing I'm most worried about, not so much about Roger yeah. being ruined, but like what position do they want him to play ultimately? So, Yeah, and even in his first start at right tackle, I mean, if we're being honest, it's as good as anything that we've seen. Oh from yeah, either for of those sure. guys, really. It's like, like it's, it, yeah. the kick slide, the anchoring strength, like the run it's game just, stuff is crazy. The run yeah. game, the power in the running game is just traits that, that Dan Moore and Okorafor do not possess. And I right. think my biggest issue with the entire thing, Shane, is it just seemed like backward logic <laughs> on Mike Tomlin's part to me to say, all right, Chooks, you've been here since 2018. Uh, you're, you're not going to be the guy for whatever reason, if you got disciplined, whatever. whatever. Dan Moore, you've been here since 2021. And yet we feel more comfortable sliding the guy than it's played like a handful of snaps this year. You're going to, you're going to go over and play that spot now, even though you haven't done it before. So, I, I mean, I maybe know. it works out for the best and maybe, maybe, maybe Broderick becomes one of the better right tackles in the league. We'll, we'll see how this thing plays out. Uh, it's just interesting. And I, and, and it, it's, I, it's something that I wanted to bring up because I don't hear a lot of other people talking about it. They did mention how it was a little bit strange before the game that he was going to right tackle. Uh, but I want to see how this thing plays out. Like yeah. if, if we're still getting like a, a really, really badly struggling Dan Moore, I don't know if you can stick with this very long. I think you're going to have no. to revert back and, and kind of put Chooks back in there re- reluctantly and, and put Broderick back to the other side, but we'll see how it plays out here. All right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Steel Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Steel Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. All right, Shane, let's shift gears here. We're going to talk Steelers versus Packers week 10 mm-hmm. big game for Pittsburgh because theoretically the Steelers can go to last place in the division this week. Uh, if it with a loss and with wins by uh, their AFC North rivals. And so we talked about how no team is worse than five and three in that division right now. It's tight. You can't drop a yeah. game, especially to kind of a, just a mediocre team uh, like the, like the Packers have been um, for most of the year. I mean, in terms of stats, if we're just looking at stats, then the Packers might be a better p- team on paper than what the Steelers have been so far. They're averaging 20 points a game. They're giving up 20 points a game. I mean, they're, they're, they're break even in that department. Uh, they're a little bit better when it comes to EPA in, mm-hmm. in, in those type of stats. Um, but they're also, I mean, they're, they're one of these odd teams, Shane, because they remind me a little bit of like the current New England Patriots. There's just like no star power on this team. Like yeah. you've got some quality football players. You've got some depth at certain positions, but it's like you don't have like these super imposing like all pro or even like pro bowl caliber players outside of just a couple positions on their team. And so I want to break down some of the bigger matchups to watch in this game. Uh, The Steelers are three point home favorites. Uh, Surprisingly, this is the third straight home game that the Steelers Mm -hmm. will have uh, in this three game stretch. They need to come away with this with a winning record. Obviously, they're one and one as we sit. They lost to the Jaguars by two scores. Uh, and then they beat the Titans with that game-winning drive on Thursday night football. They've got to come away and get and get out of the stretch at two and one. Um, so only three-point favorites. So that means that on a neutral playing field, uh the, the this would be a pick'em type game. So the odds makers are not, I mean, they're not big believers 
in the Steelers right now. And we'll see if that bet, that line gets bet in a different direction here uh, over under for this game, 39 points. Uh, are those things fair for the Steelers? I think they are fair. And I think it tells you a lot about what the, the consensus is on the Steelers in terms of their record, not meaning as much as, as people probably think it should. Right. Or like the Packers have really struggled the past few weeks, especially, and they did win last week. I mean, but the, it felt like they didn't even want to, the, the team they played didn't even mm-hmm. want to show up. I won't even say anything more than that. Point is, is that Jordan Love especially struggled. We'll talk more about him. This offense is just very immature is how I'll describe it. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I think the line makes sense. Again, I think these teams are similarly cali- like similar caliber teams, defensive first teams that have offenses that haven't found their way this year for different reasons. And the over-under 39 – I think that's definitely fair. I mean, they only scored 20 points. We don't even score 20 points. I think getting to 40 combined is going to be a struggle ultimately, but we'll kind of see how that plays out. But I think it's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that the Steelers should be favored by much more based on what we've seen. And obviously the Steelers are five and three, the Packers are three and five, but like I said, on paper, these are similar football teams and a Mm -hmm. Packers fan could certainly come out and make the case that they've been, a better team, but with a worse record. It's kind of right. it's kind of weird how it's working out, and we know that. Like we, yeah, we know we have the Steelers are are setting records. Uh, they're making history in, in a not so great way so far. Yeah. The, the only team in NFL history at this point in the season to have a winning record despite being outgained in yardage in every single game that they've played this year. And so the likelihood of of you having of being two games above five hundred at this point. Uh, knowing the circumstances and, and the fact that you've been outgained in every single game is kind of bizarre. And so we can't expect that trying to continue unless the overall play continues. I mean, the luck is going to run out at some point. You can have the clutch or whatever yeah, you assume. Yeah. Yes. But when you're scoring 16 points a game and you allow 340 yards uh, on defense and wh- just all these stats, the Steelers are like 29th or lower in, in the <laughs> NFL. Like, you can't have a collection of those things and expect to have lasting success. So we'll see how this plays out here. Let's talk about some of these matchups here this week. It sounds like the Packers kind of have a similar situation uh, going on at their left tackle position, kind of like the Steelers do on their offensive line where they don't like either guy. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like Dan Moore or Corfor. You're like, you're trying to pick the, the lesser of two evils there uh, between Rashid Walker and Yash Nijman. And I don't know. I think that Walker is the plan is to, to start him this game. I think they started Ninman, uh, Yinman last week, and he ended up uh, exiting that contest. And Walker came back in. So, uh, and it, either way, this should be a matchup that Alex Highsmith should take advantage of, especially coming off of maybe the best game of his career so far. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it sucks for Rashid Walker because he started the season very strong, and I think that the rest of the injuries run around the offensive line and, the, and just the offense not playing well kind of made him get exposed a little bit more than he was early in the season. He's a really talented guy out of Penn State. They drafted, yeah. I think, in the sixth or seventh round a couple years ago, and I, I think that he's a player that has the talent to, to stick at left tackle and be a solid player, but he's shoved into the situation because of David Bakhtiari just not being able to play football for a long time. And it, it sucks for them, but you're right. So Highsmith should win this matchup regardless of who ends up playing there. He's going to be the better player by a wide margin, whoever it is. Um, Neiman gives you more of the veteran and just has more experience there. So he'd probably be a tougher matchup, but Walker does have the athleticism compared to him. So it's really a pick your poison. Whoever ends up playing and, and playing most of the snaps is going to have his hands full though. Yeah, and on the opposite side over there is Zach Tom, who's having a really good season he's, at right he's tackle. He's a very good player. 
So it makes me wonder if they are going to be a little bit more neutral in the way that they shift the attention. Like, will Highsmith get some of it if, if he's really beaten? They might have to. Whoever they deploy out there. Uh, so far, and what, like we said, what we've seen, when we go back and watch the film since week four, when the Texans really figure it out, it's like we're going to put two or three guys. We're going to have that running back or tight end chip watt, essentially every pass rush rep. Uh, and when we do that, we're going to neutralize the best player on their football team. And other teams have followed suit since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if Packers do as well, because theoretically, this is a matchup that Highsmith definitely should be able to exploit on that side. The Highsmith just seems to be getting better uh, each game. So it might be a mistake on their part if they deployed too much attention to Watt this week. So keep an eye on that one there. I want to talk about the Steelers running backs uh, against the the Packers linebackers. I think the strength of their team is probably the, those linebackers for the Packers, Quay Walker, Devontae Campbell. I mean, th- th- that's a that's a quality uh, pairing of football players who are both having really strong seasons. The Steelers uh, running backs are coming off collectively one of the better games they've had together uh, dating back since the beginning of last year when, when Jalen Warren was first with the team. Can they keep up that momentum this week uh, against those linebackers and that defensive front by the Packers? Yeah, I think that this is where the Steelers can win. And it, it's not so much because of the linebackers. It's really the way the, the Packers play defense. They're very much a heavy, like Vic Fangio, like quarters mm-hmm. heavy team that, is going to give up a lot of running, excuse me, rushing yards if they play a team that's capable of running the football, right? And with a big back like Harris and a speedier back like Warren, like it's a matchup we should be able to win. I think the question is, can we keep up with them enough, and hopefully so with the way their offense is playing, to be able to lean on the run game, right, to stay with it? Because we've seen games Mm -hmm. get out of hand for the Steelers and they go away from the run game early and don't come back to it. That can't happen against a Packers team that you can attack in the run game. Like that's where this team is the most susceptible. So they should have the advantage. I think it comes down to the offensive line has to be able to get to the second level on these linebackers and safeties that have to come up from their quarters responsibilities and tackle these guys. If they can do that, I expect them to win that match pretty easily. Yeah, it makes me wonder if the Packers would be willing to alter their defensive game plan a little so bit far, from no. the quarters. <laughs> I, it's interesting though because now, yeah. if, I mean, if they if they're watching film on the Steelers yes. game and they see, yeah. all right, Kenny Pickett's coming off, he completed eighteen of thirty passes for one hundred and sixty yards last week. I mean, their passing offense cannot get going. They're they're averaging less than one passing score per game. Maybe they do put a little bit more attention on the, on the running game and, and maybe they're not, maybe they're, maybe they'll just stick with what they know. Yeah. And uh, if that's the case, then you're right. The Steelers, the Steelers running game should be able to exploit that. Uh, it probably means bad things for the passing game when they, when they do look, uh, try to look there. Uh, but if we can get the running game going, that's, that's definitely a start. And it's something that they'll have to be able to do in this game. Uh, at the same time, I want to look at the Steelers linebackers. Now, Cole Holcomb list linebacker group uh, against a pair of quality linebacker or running backs of the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, two guys that can exploit you on the ground at times. I know it, they haven't quite been the same duo that they've been in the past, uh, but two pretty good football players still. Yeah. So the thing with AJ Dillon is he might be the worst running back playing in the NFL right now at times. He has zero, like what people think Najee Harris is, is what AJ Dillon is. Like people who really hate Najee, that's who AJ Dillon is. Like he has zero 
burst, zero speed. Doesn't yeah. even have the power that you want from a guy that's 230 plus pounds. Just having a rough season. Like if you look at his underlying metrics, mm-hmm. he has like the lowest running success rate and also the lowest like explosive run rate. Like he's doing nothing effectively. And so it's really about Aaron Jones, right? Can you handle him? Because he's the guy that could go off for 200 total yards of offense and three touchdowns. Like this is the guy that can do that. Now, do I think he will based on what we've seen this year with the way the offensive line is playing and the quarterback play kind of taking, not taking pressure off of him? Probably not, but this is a team that's been susceptible to the big play in the run in the run sometimes this year, right? So they have to really worry about bottling him up. Dylan is just going to be the grind it out, get two or three yards guy. We can live with that. It's not going to be that successful against really anybody. It hasn't been this year. It's can you keep Jones at bay in the passing game too, not just in the running game? That's going to mm-hmm. be too for especially Quan, I would say. Yeah, and AJ Dillon is interesting because I remember him coming out of Boston College and being like, I like this guy looks the part. Like he absolutely looks the part. He looks like that Derrick Henry mold player, which is really rare. Uh, but you're right, he just hasn't done a ton for them. Especially this year. Always been disappointing. What what a terrible pick he's been for my dynasty league, too. That's a different (laughs) topic. Yeah. Uh let's talk about this. And another guy who's not performing particularly well, but has the speed to kill Mm -hmm. the Steelers, and that is, is Christian Watson. Their receiver that's six foot four and runs a four three six. Like Watson was terrific in the second half of last year mm-hmm. and really inefficient for the Packers in the receiving game so far this year. But even like last week, we saw he had a 37 yard reception. Like if Porter's not matched up against him, he has the potential to kill you down the field. And obviously, this works both ways. Like Jordan Love has to be firing as well. Uh, but give up a few plays like that. And I mean, they could call ball game on the Steelers because we know how hard it is for them to fight back into these contests so uh does that scare you at all does it does his presence scare you at all this week it scares me because he is a one play touchdown guy like this is the guy that you throw him across her and he can run away from everybody up the sideline you throw him just go ball and like and i think that's why it's gonna be really important that porter does try to be on him as much as possible because the other thing with watson he's six five like this is not a normal deep threat receiver this is a like mike evans size receiver that has four three speed like Mm -hmm. that's that's what we're kind of dealing with and as much as I'm not super worried about it because that connection hasn't been there this year, and I just don't know if it's really going to happen this year for this offense, and we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a little bit with Jordan Love, but they just I – th- I think as long as Porter's on there, his length will match up well with his length with Watson. Like, that's the matchup. Now, if he gets on Patrick Peterson or Levi Wallace, yeah, he's going to be open. It's just whether Jordan Love finds him mm-hmm. or is willing to throw the ball. So – Got to have safety help over the top as well, just just in case, especially if Porter's not on him. But they got to be physical with him because if he gets a free release, yeah, he'll he'll probably be up. <laughs> so, yeah, and I I remember watching him there at North Dakota State and just seeing just how fast he could so much better than those else. gazelle strides. Yeah. And, and my comp frame, I look, I watched him last year. I'm like, man, he has so many Martavis like yes. traits, like prime yes. Yes. Martavis, yes. where he can take a drag route and take mm-hmm. it 40 yards because he can just long stride past everybody. So yep. it does scare me a little bit knowing how old and slow the secondary is, <laughs> knowing that Minka, I mean, Minka is still dealing with, with injury and you really got Porter out there. I mean, that's the guy that I want to see him matched up against. Like I also like Porter against like Romeo Dobbs and, and I want him to, I want, I mean, I think Porter we're, we're fairly safe. Whoever he's going against, it's, it's yeah. obviously everybody else. Right. Yeah, so else, yeah. what can those guys do? I would, I would like the matchup, like get, get like Peterson on, on Romeo Dobbs, who's not as great of an athlete who can stick mm-hmm. with him a little bit easier, maybe. So I'll be interested to see if Porter follows this week, if he's just going to stick to one side or what he's going to do. Uh, so keep an eye on that game plan for the Steelers. All right, Shane, I want to talk about Kenny Pickett 
again. All right, so back in week four, we talked about Kenny Pickett versus C.J. Stroud. Why was kind of a big game to see these two head-to-head? Obviously, Stroud certainly got the better of that matchup. Steelers lose 30-6. to This past week, we previewed Kenny Pickett uh, against Will Levis and two guys who were uh, similar status kind of coming out of, of college. Pickett was the first pick in the draft in 2022. Levis fell to the top of the second round uh, this past year's draft. And uh, the Stewards came away victorious. Levis made some questionable decisions in that game down the stretch. I thought he had some really nice throws. Also, if you look at Levis the week prior uh, in week eight, had an awesome game, a four touchdown, 238 yards, I believe on like 28 or 29 attempts. So it was a really good game by him. Now we're looking at Kenny Pickett versus Jordan Love. This is the level that we've we've gotten to now, Shane. And I don't, again, I don't want to be too hard on Pickett here. But if we're looking at a guy who's, kind of been in his tier and and it has and share some similarities. I mean, you could argue that that's Jordan love. I mean, Jordan love was drafted a couple of years ago to be kind of that uh, developmental behind Aaron Rodgers to replace him. Interestingly though, Kenny Pickett is older than love by nearly half of a year. These guys are both former first round picks. Pickett needs to outplay him. I'm I'm sorry. You have to outplay Jordan love. You're at home for the third straight game. Jordan Love has not been very good in terms of like statistical production. It's, I mean, it's, it's, he's has more than what Kenny does. And some of that is what, what the offense is allowing for. But at the same time, you cannot let a struggling Jordan Love come into your city in the, in your third straight home game and show you up like this. Pickett has been outplayed consistently by these other younger quarterbacks. And now he's facing again, a, a younger quarterback, although love's been in the year in the league one year longer. He did not start the, the past two years, obviously because he was sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. So he's still lacking in experience. Uh, and he's a, a fairly young guy himself. Still. I just, th- this one, I, I don't know if anybody's talking, anybody's mm-hmm. talking about Kenny Pickett against Jordan love right now, just because it's not like a premier matchup or anything, but I can't see Kenny Pickett getting outplayed by another quarterback that's younger than he is. It's just, I, I don't want it to be any more discouraging than the route that we've seen so far. You know, I think it's interesting. We talk about these two together because I think they're different sides of the same coin where they're both considered developmental type quarterbacks. But the reason why they're not playing that great is for different reasons. Love can't stop turning the football over, but mm-hmm. does make some big plays occasionally. Kenny's really good at protecting the football, but can't find that big play ability, right? And yep. there's reasons for that. Like, obviously, the offense isn't built to create big plays. So there is an element of that when you're talking about Kenny Pickett. But he does miss too many layups right now. He is missing some reads, missing some throws. Love's accuracy has been kind of disastrous for this team this year. That's the biggest thing that he needs to continue to work on is his ball placement and accuracy because there's been some big plays there that he's straight up missed. Not that Kenny hasn't mm-hmm. also missed a couple of those, but there's a lot more opportunities for that in the Packers offense and the Steelers offense, and Love is still not making them. I, I think it's really – I'm going to be curious to see how they kind of attack this game because I think with the Steelers secondary, there's big plays to be had, but it's can you protect them, you know, Love well enough for him to find those guys down the field. So far, that's been no for this Packers offense. And they're very immature, and I mentioned it earlier, in the sense that LaFleur is a veteran play caller. He's a very good coach, but he isn't calling plays as well as I would like him to in general. A lot of guys, like the spacing isn't there a lot of the time, and that's been bothersome. But also, like, these receivers are just so young. I mean, he has all these guys out there that have 
less experience than he does, basically, in terms of being in the yeah. NFL. Like, that's not a great recipe for success with a young quarterback where you have a rookie tight end, two second-year receivers, a rookie receiver in Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed, who are kind of the other, you know, three and four receivers there. Like, there's just no one there to rely on, right? There's nobody there that he can say, okay, I know this guy's going to be able to get open. I know this guy's going to do what he's supposed to do. And I think it's killing the Packers offense right now versus Kenny, where you do have some veterans like Deontay. You do have mm. guys like even Najee Harris has been in the league for a while now. Like you have guys you can rely on to do the right thing, but he's just not living up to what I think people wanted him to be. So I am curious to see how these two play in general. I think it's going to be a rough day for both to a certain degree, but I do give pick at the edge being at home. And I do think that his overall surrounding cast is better right now for what he does well. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. And you talked about it. I mean, they're both coming from somewhat difficult situations. Yes. Packers because of the youth, Steelers because of the 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 suspect play calling at times. Mentality. Although I think that's been right. better in the last right. couple of weeks. In the sort of the mentality play. for me, I think at this point, so, like, yeah, right? like yeah. that's really the biggest hang up. Is even if the offense is mm -hmm. called well, it's called well to be a certain type of offense that limits the ceiling, right? Like that's the, yeah, the it is, it is, and, and I I think that uh. I mean, th this is my thoughts on these two guys. Like, I was not a huge Jordan Love fan coming out. I was not a huge Kenny Pickett fan coming out. I had second-round grades on both of these guys. And, I mean, to be quite honest, they're playing like the players that I kind of predicted that they would be. Now, I want to see that Pickett exceed my expectations. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to start right here because if you go, like I said, if you go and, and get kind of shown up again by an, another rookie quarterback, and again, P Pickett got the last laugh on Will Levis. But when we yeah. watch Levis play, you can see just how much he oozes with the upside, yeah, the with the, just the, the, the whip of an arm and, and all the throws that he can make. I think that throughout his career, uh, for however long that's going to be, Pickett's going to have to make up for some of those things because he doesn't have the biggest, he doesn't have a live NFL arm like a Josh Allen or one of these guys right. that can just sling the ball all over the place. I, I love his mobility. He needs to clean up the accuracy issues that we've we've saw we've seen over the past a few weeks and there's a couple of big miss throws there. Uh, but come out swinging, get the best of, of Jordan love in this matchup. Like I want to just see you take him down. Can we see, please, please. I want to see the Steelers win by like 10 points. I just want this is, if there's a week my 10 to points. do it, this is a week to do it. You're facing a Packers yeah. team that isn't that great. That has a lot of issues. The defense could totally be one of those weeks where they keep a team like 10 points. Mm -hmm. Can the offense just get a couple touchdowns, get out of here with a comfortable win and, and try to keep pace. And like you said, in the AFC North, that is just downright just insane right now. Like, I, I don't know yeah. if we mentioned it before in, on the last week's show or this or this show or whatever, but this is the first time that all four teams in the division are two games above 500 this late in the season since they redid the division. Wow. Like, yeah. it has not happened. This division, as weird as it is and as kind of weirdly bad as it can be, depending on what team you're looking at, is the most difficult division to play in in the NFL. It has been that way for a long mm -hmm. time. It continues to be that way. And this is the type of game that the Steelers can't afford to lose. Yep. And like we said, the Packers, they're not overflowing with star power they're either. Not, they've got young not. players. They've got a young quarterback. And the Steelers have had 10 days to prepare for this game. It's going to be yes. 10 days in all. They played the Thursday night game. You, there, there's no excuses in this one. And that brings us to our predictions here, Shane, before we sign off. 
for today's show. Uh, let's talk about the key to success on the offensive side of the ball. What do the Steelers need to do to come away victorious? I think we talked about earlier, you have to be able to run on this defense that is mm-hmm. a very rigid quarters, you know, primarily quarters defense that is going to give you stuff in, in underneath in the passing game and in the running game. And I think that is where like the Steelers passing offense, because of its conservative nature, it might actually work to their benefit in a matchup like this, where they are going to have underneath throws. They're going to have a lot of soft coverage, like, the stuff that they try to do on early downs in the passing game might have a better chance of working against a team like this. But if you do need a big play down the field, it is going to be difficult to, to find that. So you do need to stay patient with the running game and the short passing game and kind of let the Packers scheme give you an edge essentially. And I think that's totally possible with this team. Yeah. The running game is obviously going to be key in this one. You have to see that success continue this week. I think also you need a balanced approach to your passing game. You got to yeah. keep these receivers happy. Uh, Deontay, I think has been playing really well. Pickens obviously coming off of one of the worst games of his career so far, finished the game with, with negative one yard. You'd like <laughs> to see that be a little bit more balanced there. And I yeah. think it's going to help everybody out because yes. I mean, the game on paper from Kenny and not just on paper, you go back and watch the film. I mean, there were missed opportunities. It was a pretty sluggish game overall. I just think the passing game needs to start firing a little bit better here and yes. more consistently sooner, uh, because especially. again, and sooner, I mean, Pickett has six passing touchdowns entering week 10. Like this is not the, this is not the start that everybody yeah. envisioned. And, and I was foolish enough, Shane, at the beginning of the year to place a bet because the number was so low. It was like 19 and a half over under 19 and a half uh, touchdowns for Kenny Pickett this year. I'm like over, like, I think he's going to get like 22, 23, not even close to yeah. that pace right now. Yeah. He's so it's catch it, up for you here. The passing game is far worse this year than what I anticipated it being. It needs to start getting better. Like down the stretch, we're now halfway through the season. The second half of the year, it needs to be twice as good. It almost does. And by the yeah. end of the year, for me to be comfortable saying, yes, I like what we have going into 2024. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing. I know I'm getting kind of futuristic here, but it, just for this game specifically, like it's got to start here. You've got the third straight home game. You're doing it against a team you should be able to exploit at least enough. You've game planned them for them enough. You've had that extra time to prepare. Uh, come out firing. Let's put up 28 points on offense. Let's have a good offensive game. Uh, that it's have like 260 offensive uh, passing yards and a pair of touchdowns or something like that. Like let's get great. this thing rolling in yeah, the right direction. Uh, key this. Key to success on defense, Shane, what do the Steelers need to do defensively to contain the Packers? You have to be able to get after Love and force him into the mistakes that we've seen from him because he's already not the most accurate quarterback. You get him pressured, I think he becomes less of an accurate quarterback and more erratic. We've seen some really boneheaded decisions from him, especially in games where they do have to come back. So if you can get a lead on this team and force him into bad plays, you can kind of bury them and, and, and put it to rest. That's got to be the number one thing. And it's always the number one thing with the Steelers is getting pressure, but more so, especially in this week where you do have a young quarterback that's still struggling to handle that pressure. That is the number one thing. And then you have to mm-hmm. you have to limit the big plays. Like don't let Christian Watson get behind you. Don't let Roman Dobbs go up the sideline on you and catch like a, you know, one of those fade balls that the Pickens is so good at. Like you have to be able to force them to have to consistently move the football down the field and be consistent because they aren't right now. Right. They're so young. They're kind of relying on those trunk plays to happen to get things moving. Making them march the field is probably your best bet at stopping them consistently. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it always comes down to the pressure. I mean, the Steelers defense is predicated around getting pressure. So I, I think that you, you hit it, Shane, if they're able to get to love fast, this game is going to flow the way that Steelers want it to. If for, for whatever reason, they're not able to do that. I do worry about giving up some of these big plays, these chunk plays down the field, and then maybe not being able to match on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's getting there quickly uh, and getting Jordan love uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Steelers, again, well, what we've seen, it's a trend now. We can't expect the Steelers to win these shootout-type games. Uh, keep the keep the uh, offense in check there. Yeah, we had a chat real quick I want to throw out before we do our predictions. Um, do you think we've we ever had a game where Kenny was clearly – but I, I'm trying to think to last year. I feel mm-hmm. like – It would have to be the, last year somewhere because I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of every game this year, and I can't think of one where – I mean, week one, clearly they played the 49ers. Better. He wasn't better than Purdy there, not even close. Uh, the Browns game, maybe Watson was pretty, <laughs> Watson was pretty bad in that game. Yeah, Watson's but, pretty bad. So, but even then, I mean, outside of the, the takeaways, which I mean, the pick six was, was pretty brutal, but that was kind of a, off of a tip pass. So, uh, the Raiders game, that's probably, that's, the that's, one. that's the one I was going to say was Derek so, Carr was dreadful in that game. And Kenny, at least yeah, Garoppolo. Yeah. Well, last yeah. year, oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about last year. Oh, I was talking about this year's. Oh, this uh, year's Sunday too, I would game. say. Yeah, this year too. Okay. But last year when, when Carr was – remember how bad Carr was? In the okay, yeah, yeah. For Franco Harris? Mm-hmm. Like that That was dreadful. That was so, that was such a bad offensive yeah. performance yeah. overall until the last drive. Yeah, that might have been another one. But yeah, I get what you're saying mm-hmm. there. Um, it, it's, it is a fair uh, point. I mean, yeah, you're you're uh, 21 games into your career. You'd like to see more than stretching for a game or two or three where Pickett has been the better quarterback. And yeah. I, I think that all of these concerns are justified. I really do. Yeah. And, I, and again – I want to eat my words and I'll be the first to come back and say that I was so wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do want to see he, I, we need to see that improvement. So I definitely Absolutely. agree with that. All right, Shane, let's give our predictions and we'll sign off here on today's show. Uh, Steelers versus Packers again, third straight home game for the Steelers. It really is. I mean, it, every game in the NFL is so important. You only play 17 games. It's not like baseball or, or, or uh, basketball or these other sports where you can go on a long skid and still be all right. You've got to win it, especially when your division is this tight, especially yeah. when the AFC conference in general is as tight as what it is. And there's going to be so many of these these five and three-ish teams. There's six teams tied with that record right now in the NFL that are vying for those final three spots in the wild card. I don't want to say that the division is out of reach, but it looks really, really tough against a stout Ravens team that's just playing well on both sides of the ball. So catching back up, they do though own the tiebreaker there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in their next head-to-head matchup mm-hmm. uh, late in the year. But for now, let's just focus on staying in that wild card race. Can the Steelers get it done this week? What's your score prediction? So I do think they're going to get it done at home against a Packers team that just isn't that great. I do think they have a lot of their own issues. And this is the type of team the Steelers can routinely beat because they are so young and immature and have their issues on defense even at times, despite the fact they've been pretty good at you know not allowing a ton of points. I will say 21 to 13, so not quite a two-score win technically, but close enough. Uh, I think it's relatively comfortable. I think the Packers get a field goal later, so to make it a one-score game, mm-hmm. and then they just can't finish the game off from there. I, I want, I want to say Pickett throws two touchdowns, just because I want to see it happen. Um, this is a team that could allow that uh, for sure, depending on the situation. But definitely, twenty-one thirteen feels about right. All right, I've got the Steelers as well at twenty to sixteen. 
Uh, I think Same it, it'll be. Last week. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's going to be a little bit. That's it, a Steelers win. Games again. I mean, that's that's it. That's what they do. So yeah. again, the Steelers are negative thirty in point differential on the season so far. Not where you want to be. I mean, there's as teams as high as like plus one twenty five right now. Like it's insane the yeah. discrepancy between the top teams and where the Steelers are right now, where they they sit at twenty fourth in that department in the NFL. Uh, I think, again, until I see proven otherwise, if they are to win this game, and I think that they will, it's going to be a close game, like a field goal or maybe a little bit more than that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hope that your score is, is more right than mine, right. at least that's a little bit more encouraging. Although, I mean, it's it's the offense just having a very blah game probably yes. still. still yeah. um, I've got the Steelers 20 to 16. If you guys have any score predictions or game predictions at all, please drop them. Uh, in the chat on this YouTube page. We would love to be able to hear those and reply to you. Thanks for joining us in this chat. It was great having you guys around. And remember that we're going to be going live every single Tuesday and Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time to bring you Steelers coverage. Uh, we hope that you can join us there. Uh, thanks for joining us today on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for joining us on the Still Curtain podcast. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.